Hey, what's up, y'all? My name is Jay Helms, and if you are new here, if this is your first time discovering the W2 Capitalist podcast, we as the W2 Capitalists are here as a resource to help you and your family build wealth so that you and your spouse can spend more time with your family. Uh, we're also here to help you create a bigger nest egg and gravitate you toward building generational wealth that you can pass on to your kids, they can pass on to their kids, and so on and so forth. So before we get into today's episode with Erica Kohlberg, I want to point you to our sponsor, uh, Quest Trust. Quest is my self-directed IRA custodian. Uh, they were not my first self-directed IRA custodian, but they have definitely shown me that there is a night and day difference between IRA custodians. And if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, if you have an old IRA from a previous employer, you left that job, you're no longer there, but that IRA, that 401k stayed with that old employer, you, and you want to use those monies to invest in real estate, uh, this could be your own deal, uh, it could be a syndication. Uh, quite frankly, there's a lot of things you can invest in. You can become a private money lender to loan to other real estate investors. Um, you can convert that old IRA or that old 401k into a self-directed RA with a custodian and use those monies to invest in. Uh, quite frankly, invest in a better and more reliable vehicle than the stock market, right? Which is what your IRA or 401k is fluctuating off of right now, right? So check them out today. It's w2capitalist.com forward slash quest and set up your free consultation with them today. Um, that link is in the show notes for you to grab as well. All right, let's get into today's episode. capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W-2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W-2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Jay Helms. I am the founder of this podcast and movement known as the W2 Capitalist. As always, I have a very special guest, somebody who I've been wanting to come on the podcast for quite some time now, Erica Kohlberg. Am I saying that right? I should have asked you. Because... Yeah, you've got that right. Okay, okay. So, so Erica is an attorney and personal finance expert prior to founding a legal technology company, which is known as Plug and Law. We're going to plug in law. Yep. I went there with a dad joke. Uh, she was a corporate attorney for fortune 500 companies, her personal finance YouTube channel, where she talks about topics ranging from student loans to investing has grown to over 70,000 subscribers and 4 million viewers in under a year. Matter of fact, we were just talking before the record button is that a year ago today, you didn't even have a YouTube channel, which is freaking incredible. Uh, her work has been featured in outlets such as Business Insider, CNBC, U.S. News, and World Report, The Washington Post, and more. Erica, this is probably the most intimidating thing about you uh, that I see about you at, uh, out of all that is that you hold degrees from the University of Notre Dame and Georgetown Law. Erica, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Jay. By the way, she's a bit nervous, so she's let me know that she's coming out of her podcast hiatus. 
she's been on one for for a few months now, I think. And this is the first one. So she's a little nervous. So I just informed her that I don't edit the podcast. It's just we're going to go with it. And I think that even made her more nervous. But anyway, I really want to tell you thank you for being here because I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity, by the way, because you, <laughs> I mean, and maybe like a celebrity, that's probably bad wording. I am talking to a celebrity, at least in my own mind. <laughs> I think you are because one of the, we are connected. I think this is how we even, we even got to know each other is that we're connected by a, um, a mutual group, FinCon. Uh, financial conference. I think their tagline is where money and nerds meet. Is that what it is? Something like that? I don't know. And, <laughs> and you posted in there about how your YouTube channel has been taken off. And, and you know, the, the thing that kind of caught my attention was your uh, claim to fame and how you paid off $200,000 of student debt. And I was like, all right, so she's, she's paid off a huge amount of debt. She's got a YouTube channel, which I'm, I'm still trying to get into YouTube. This will be on there, but it'll, you know, I'm struggling. Anyway, we can talk about that later. Your claim to fame, so to speak, or something you've done that's pretty amazing that I think has amassed this following very quickly is that you paid off $200,000 in student debt in quite a short amount of time, right? So help us understand that story and how you're able to, to do that um, at all. Because I sit here and think about $200,000 in debt wow, like, I don't even know how, how or where to begin. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I honestly didn't know where to start either. <laughs> <laughs> but you did. Where did you, where did you start? Like, what was I the did. Thing? Yeah, so I graduated from law school with over $200,000 of loans. And to be honest, I was very intentionally naive about them. So at graduation, I wouldn't have been able to tell you how much I had in student loans because... Okay. Essentially, I think schools operate in a sense to cover it up while you're in school. It's just a oh, yeah. necessary means. <laughs> and they don't they don't showcase that, wow, you just took out two hundred thousand dollars of loans. Like it it's kind of swept under the rug. And so even at graduation, I wasn't thinking about the loans. And then probably five months later, I started getting all of these letters in the mail saying, forbearance, <laughs> grace period, all these words that I didn't understand. And as a lawyer, my tendency is like, if I don't understand something, I'm going to dig and research and find out everything I can about it. But for some reason, something about the student loans, I was very intimidated by them. I was overwhelmed. I was scared. So I just wanted to keep ignoring it. And that <laughs> when I started getting the, those letters in the mail, though, I was like, wow, I have no idea like what my obligations are. I don't mm. even know how many student loans I have. And I had this epiphany where it was like, I need to get these student loans under control or they're going to control me. And so I spent that week, like 60 hours that week, researching on Reddit, going down the rabbit hole, figuring out everything I possibly could about student loans. And that week I made this action plan that I was going to pay them off quickly. And I didn't want them to just be this dark cloud hovering over me for so long. And so I figured out everything. And I mean, it starts with the little steps, right? So I, I didn't know anything. I had to go to studentaid.gov and figure out what my loans were, who my services were, ser services were. And it turned out I had nine different loans, nine different interest rates, two different servicers. Like it was just all over the place. And the first step was though, getting organized and just listing those out. And then you just take these little steps after that. So the next step was like 
figuring out what my average interest interest rate was. And I found out it was 6.8%. And so then it's like, wow, can I reduce that? So I ended up refinancing my student loans, refinanced with SoFi, slashed the interest rate, saved thousands of dollars. So that was the next little step. And it's just all these little steps eventually led to me paying off the loans. But I think had I not had that epiphany, that aha moment that I need to take control of this, I could very well still be just paying the minimum payments for the next seven <laughs> years of my life and still working as a corporate lawyer to to make mm. those payments. So I'm I'm glad uh, for that epiphany. <laughs> so a lot to unpack there. You you paid off two hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt in how many years? Um, under two years. It was two hundred twenty five thousand something something in under two years. <laughs> wow. So um, that's pretty incredible. So that's my proudly hung 2.5 GPA undergrad right there. I do have an MBA, um, uh, but it's not as fun to talk about than the 2.5 that's hanging on the wall. I love it. And, and it took me, it took me 10 years to pay off that. And it was not that, um, I did not have, I don't even know how much I had. Uh, I don't know that I ever knew but I did exactly what you just mentioned. I would pay off the, I would pay the minimums every mm-hmm. time that that came up. And then uh, at some point in time, you, you get these, uh, maybe it was a forbearance where you get these things where, Hey, can you pay, start paying? Like, nah, I can't pay yet. You know, just kind of keep pushing it off and keep pushing <laughs> off. And uh, so a lot that resonated with me there. So I want to go back though, where you, you made, and I, I don't want to misquote you, but something you said where, Schools will just loan you money, and it seems like that they will loan it to you. Like it amazes me. I think our our whole entire system is just messed up because how companies will loan or you know the, the government will loan you that money without any real guarantee. I mean, they're putting you in handcuffs from the time that basically you're born into um, an age where you can actually produce to society right? Where yeah. you can provide that. So you're actually, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's amazing that that'll happen. Like if you go to a bank, you know, if you go to a bank to try to get a loan for that, there's a quote, I think Cardone says about this, that you can go to a, a bank to get a loan for buying a piece of property, but you can't go to that same bank who's publicly traded and get a loan to go buy stock in that company. And it, it's just, it's, it's interesting. So, all right. So let's, let's talk about these baby steps or these little steps that you figured out. Uh, one, I think first step is you have that epiphany that, all right, this looming debt is going to loom there until I do something about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you come, come to that realization? Is there anything you can offer everybody like me who sits on their student loans and says, oh man, I really need that 50 bucks because I'm just out of college. You know, I need that extra 50 bucks a month. I'm just out of college how do I, you know, how do I just push these off? But how do, how do I come to having this epiphany? It's like, no, I need to tackle this now because it's going to set me up to, for a better financial future, the sooner that I get this paid off at a 6.8 interest rate. And it's, I, I want to say this, that I, my loan uh, interest rate was not 6.8. I think it was like two point something. Mm-hmm. We're talking about way back in the day, right? This is, whoa, um, 20 years ago. And but now interest rates are so low, like it's almost like it's free money. I don't know what the interest rate is for a, a student loan, but 
regardless, if you have $200,000 of any sort of debt and you're looking at the interest rate, regardless how low that is, how do you have that epiphany shift? It's like, okay, I can dig myself out of this hole, right? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think a lot of it, this applies to everything in personal finance in general. Our society is very much geared around short-term gratification mm. and getting things now and, and you know buying the car you want now and buying the toys you want now or whatever it is. I think in order to pay off your student loans quickly, obviously you have to be willing to delay the short-term gratification. So be okay with making sacrifices to save money and switch your thinking to think about like, what's this going to mean for my long-term future? And had I just made the minimum payments, that would have been a decade of my life. That would have been a decade of my life. Where... I do that all the time, by the way. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a decade of my life where I'm just I'm handcuffed by these student loans and I have to make decisions of my about my life based on these student loans because there's always going to be that hovering obligation and so I think I was thinking about the future like how would it feel to not have these loans hovering over me and I think my focus on that caused the epiphany so I think if you want to pay off your student loans to get that epiphany think about not the next year or two years, like think about what it's going to mean at the end of that tunnel where when you are completely done with your student loans, get that, get yourself excited about that. And then that's going to help you think about, okay, what do I need to do in the present to achieve that? So how does, and I'll go back to, so when I graduated, it was, you know, I was 21, 22 years old, didn't know my ass from a hole in the ground kind of thing, you know, just trying to get my bearings on what life was about and how to actually make money still trying to figure out the ladder. Um, <laughs> but the, you know, I was not worried about, you know, five years down the road, 10 years down the road. I, I will say though, it, and I don't know, there is something, you know, when I say the word millennial, most people think of this generation that doesn't know. And I think we're past that whole generation now, or there's a new generation classification or, or whatnot. But when people say millennials, usually there's a negative connotation that comes with that. You know, people think about laziness and people, but quite frankly, I think that's the smartest generation so far um, because they don't want to work for pennies on the dollar or work for, uh, like in your case, you had this epiphany where you're like, you know what? I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm not, I've been in corporate America. It's not really my jam. I'm going to go do something else. And I talk to, like, I have two interns that work for me. They're, uh, bright young minds who are about to graduate. And I am just amazed at where their mindset is about money. Like one of the, one of the guys, um, you know, he, he, he wants to go to Greece. And I was like, that's, that's awesome. How, how are you going to go? What are you going to do? You know, and he goes, I don't know. So one of his assignments was he had to plan out this trip to Greece and get it down to the dollar amount. Right. And so he went through this whole assignment and I, I was, thought I was going to be real smooth and come back and say, well, now that you've planned that out and you know how much it costs, how are you going to pay for it? And he goes, well, I have the money sitting in the bank. And I was like, <laughs> and a, you're, a, you're a senior in college and you have, I think it was something around 10 grand. Uh, I was like, you have 10 grand sitting in the bank? And he goes, yeah. I was like, all right, first off, how? Uh, second of all, you can't use that money to go to Greece, right? You just can't use it. You've got to figure out a way to go differently. So, you know, other than 
the two interns and yourself for, for people who are just graduating college, just getting into, you know, corporate America and trying to figure out for people who are, have been out for a while and they still have that student loan debt uh, hovering over them. How can they have this epiphany and say, look, I need to tackle this now. Right. Granted, if interest rates are, depends on where they are. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of, um, and maybe that's a question I should ask you. I'm a big fan of leverage as much as you can. Right. I mean, if you can go get a loan right now for 2%, go get a loan right now for 2%. And don't go to Vegas with that money. Like go buy some income producing assets. Right. Um, Make it more passive so that you can go do whatever you want to. You can go to Greece or, or whatever. And this happens sometimes, Erica, where I get hung up. I don't know which point I'm trying to make. So I'm going to try to circle this back around. Is that if you have some student loan debt right now, or somebody has student loan debt right now, or they're about to graduate college, and they, they're like you, they don't know, man, I, I don't even know where my student loan, like who would I go pay? I mean, I'm getting this notice in the mail, but I, I don't know anything about it. How do they have that epiphany? Like, do you think your situation, let me phrase it this way. Do you think your situation, you were focused on it because that number was so big? Because 225,000 to me is, that's an, a number I don't know that I would ever be able to overcome just graduating college, right? I mean, that's, I think my student loans were probably uh, 20,000 or something like that. And that may be why I pushed them off because that payment of 15 bucks every month was not you know, detrimental to me. But do you think it was because your um, loans were so high that this grabbed your focus? Or is this something with anybody with any sort of student loan, get it paid off so that you're setting yourself up for future success? What do you think there? And I know I threw a lot at you and sorry. That was <laughs> no, this is, this is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think partly the number terrified me. It was a big, big number. But did you ever think about filing bankruptcy? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was, it's an option uh, to yeah. reposition debt. So I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know uh, if if uh, that was on your mind or not. You looked at no. me like I was crazy even asking that question. Though, like, <laughs> no. didn't you? you did. did. It you didn't did. occur to me. <laughs> right, well, there you go. There you go. To so, each his own. But yeah, I don't think it occurred to me. Um, I think the number was terrifying, but I think the the principle is the same. Either whether you have a thousand dollars of student loans or two hundred thousand dollars, like you need to get it paid off. You you don't want to have to deal with that. And I think it's again just taking these I go back to these little steps because I think if you take too big of an approach and say, like, I'm gonna pay them all off, like starting today, I'm gonna do it in a year. I think that's overwhelming and you're setting yourself up mm. for failure. But if you just say like, hey, this week, I'm going to go figure out what student loans I have. Next week, I'm going to figure out how much I'm actually spending on interest each month. Yeah. For me, I was spending, yeah. if I would have done the 10-year plan, I would be spending over $700 each month just on interest. It's not even going towards the principal, like just on interest. So figure wow. out, go to, it's a free resource, unbury.me, figure out how much you're spending on interest each month. And just, I again, I just go back to these little steps because I think that's just very important to create these little steps. And then once you've figured out the interest, okay, figure out how much can I afford to put towards my student loans each month. That's going to force you to do very boring things like create a budget. 
figure out what your expenses are. <laughs> Budgeting sucks so bad. I don't know if you I have know. some tools to, to make it fun. Maybe it's wine. I don't know, but it's budgeting <laughs> is horrible. Anyway, you just have, to, you have anyway. to do it. Those are my, I've done a couple of budgeting videos on my YouTube channel, and those are by far the worst performing. Like, no one likes budgets. <laughs> I can't, I can't make it interesting for anyone. I think it's just a necessary evil, though, because if you don't know what you're spending, how are you possibly going to? predict the future and anticipate like what you're going to be able to pay off. So yeah, it's necessary. I think think too, and this was a misnomer I had when it came to budgeting is that you have to pay attention to that budget for the rest of your life. And that is not the the case, or at least it's not in in our case. We tend to buy the same stuff, go the same places, do the same things. And I can almost tell you every time we go out to eat at a fast food restaurant, our cost is going to be 25 to 30 bucks just for the, for the family of five, mostly young kids. It depends on if they want the happy meal or not. Um, and then throughout the week, we know pretty much like we typically eat the same meals at home when we're cooking or whatnot. Our grocery budget is about the same. And so we, after about six months, I can, say that with within a couple hundred dollars i can say how much we spend every month mm-hmm. without even without even looking at a statement right so if you're listening to this and you've never budgeted before it is a great exercise to go through for six months just put a time stamp on it or three months whatever the case is and really watch what you're doing and then after that you're going to train yourself to know okay i went out to eat monday for lunch i can't go out to eat today because I only budget them once a week Anyway, um, yeah. So I budgeting, yeah, <laughs> budgeting <laughs> is is a big piece. By the way, you said a, a website earlier. I'll make sure we tack, uh, type it down. Un is it unbury? unbury? Yeah, unbury dot me. It's completely free. I'm not affiliated. It's just a good website not, for tackling hashtag debt. Not sponsored. All right, unbury <laughs> unbury dot me, not unbury me. Yeah, it's unbury dot me. Okay. Um. And again, I cut you off, so I apologize. Um, So start with budgeting, right? Figure out what you've got to do. You were paying $700 of interest a month, which makes me sick in my stomach. That is, uh, that's a lot. That is a lot. All right, so baby step. So number one, you you get in. See, I just did it too. You hit your microphone earlier. Um. You get in, you figure out, okay, here's, here's, here's my scenario, right? That's week number one. Week number two, you start setting a budget, kind of figuring out where you can get extra money to pay off these loans. What is, mm-hmm. what is week number three? Or is, there, is it weekly by weekly? Or these are just steps that you have to accomplish, right? These are just steps you have to accomplish. Like It's not week by week because I think even for the budgeting thing, it might take you a little longer. Take you know, gotcha. you can yeah. probably in a day look back at your past month's expense to get an idea, but to track the next 30 days is kind of important yeah. too. So you can see the average of what you're spending. Um, and then next, I guess you're just going to make the payments. I don't have these <laughs> steps like written out, but I feel like that's the next logical step is just to start making the payments and be, oh, sorry. One very, very critical thing is to set an end date, set a date for when exactly you're okay. going to pay off your loans. And this one's really important because if you don't do this, there's no concrete end in mind. And there has to be for you to work towards any goal. You can't, you can't just 
say like, oh, I'm just going to end endlessly chip away at my student loans. That's never going to lead to paying them off quickly. So you want to take what you've learned from your budget. And this is, I guess, week three. And take what you've learned from <laughs> your budget. Three. Yeah. yeah, step three. <laughs> and figure out, okay, if I'm putting, if I'm able to put $500 a month towards my student loans, when will I be able to pay them off? Will it be, you know, in three years, four years, whatever it is. And yeah. I like to tie it to a special date. So tie it to your 35th birthday or your second anniversary or, you know, Christmas 2025, whatever it is, it's, yeah. it's nice to tie it to those special dates. And then next step, once you have that long-term date, break it down into shorter term goals because those mm-hmm. are easier to track, right? So let's say, when am I, when am I going to pay off the first 5,000? That's a cool short-term goal. Let's do that gotcha. in... Let's do that this year by the end of this year or or whatever it is. So break it into little short-term goals so you can reward yourself for those short-term yeah. goals too. I I love that. I, I love the, the um a lot of guys that I coach and talk to, you know, we'll we'll talk about their goals or whatnot. And then they'll mention, well, I want to accomplish this in three years. And I'll say, so three years from t- from today. And they're like, Well, yeah, three years from today. I say, so October the 20th, 2023 is when you want to accomplish this. And they're like, like all of a sudden it becomes real, you know, they're like, oh, like there's a specific date to it because otherwise, because I'm guilty of this before I started doing this as a year would go by and my saying would still be the same in three years, in three years. I love the fact that you put a special date around it, right? So if it's your birthday or for Christmas, it made me think of this uh, investor I'm talking to. He um, just getting to know him, building relationships or whatnot. And he was set to close on his very first apartment complex the day of his uh, 26th birthday, I think it was. And it didn't happen because the closing got pushed or whatever. And I said, mm-hmm. well, I hope you still celebrate. And he goes, yeah, you know, there may be a fictional closing uh, that happens on my birthday. And I celebrate it every year. But it was, I love the idea of it being a special day, not just a day, but a special day. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, you'll always remember it. Like I, mine was two years from the day I first started my job. So I'll always remember I started November 16th, 2016. And my goal was November 16th, 2018. Nice. So whatever it is, just a special date. So you can always remember it. And it's kind of, it's a double whammy because you'll be debt free that day and you'll celebrate whatever that special date is. <laughs> and this was your uh, corporate uh, lawyer job that you were at yes. for two years? Okay, so some people may argue, well, you're a corporate lawyer, you're making big money. Um, Mm -hmm. It was easier for you to pay off your student loan debt. How I disagree with that, because I think the the specialty that you went in is going to acquire more student debt, right? So your number is going to be bigger. And I don't know what somebody who just starts at at a law school working for a law firm makes, but I can't imagine it's a whole lot, right? Uh, it may be, I, I have no idea, but how, how did you make it like for, is for anybody's situation who mm-hmm. has student loan, can everybody do it within two years or do you have to be making a certain amount of money? I know this is probably where budgeting comes in. Like, how do you get to set a realistic goal of saying, I'm going to pay this off in two years or five years or, or whatnot? Does that make sense? Hey, y'all, I want to take a break from the interview with Erica real quick and let you know about the W2 Capitalist Mastermind. This is a virtual mastermind built for all experience levels and niches of real estate investing. 
We have over 20 calls that are hosted by at various times all throughout the month. And it's a way for you to get connected with like-minded people from across the country who want to see you succeed, who have been through what you're going through, and want to help hold you accountable to building your own success. The link is going to be in the show notes, and you can find out more at w2capitalist.com slash mastermind. But for now, let's get back to the interview with Erica. Yeah, it does. It does. No, I think, you know what? I, I hear that, and I I think it's a very valid point. Like, obviously... I was very fortunate to get a well-paying job out of law school. I know it's weird. I don't feel like I deserve that job. I don't feel like any better than any, any of my other law, law school <laughs> colleagues. But I I think there was, I was very fortunate to get that. And I don't think a timeline like that would have been possible without it. So we do need to address that. That That is a reality of it. But I think also personal finance is very personal. And you like don't, no one should do their timeline based on what I did, like figure out what Mm. works for you. And, you know, to pay off your student loans, remember that there are two things, you either have to save more money, or make more money. So if you're, if you've saved as much as you possibly can, and you're still not feeling like you're making progress, figure out ways to make more money and increase your income so that you can do it, whether it's negotiating a raise or taking on some side hustles, like it's not it's not black and white necessarily that you just have to save as much as you can and penny pinch. If you can't, if you've penny pinched to, to the point where you can't go any further, <laughs> figure out how to make more money. Yeah. It, there's a um, couple of things there it, it is I agree with you. You can only save so much or, or cut your cost so much. And then you've mm-hmm. got to start looking at, well, you know, you've got to figure out a way to make more money. You have an excellent video that talks about how to ask for raise on your YouTube channel and I'll make sure I'll go find that and make it in the show notes. As a matter of fact, when I saw this, I think I posted it um, to a lot of my social media feeds and challenged people to go do that like that week. Like I was so, awesome. when you, when I saw this, I was like, oh, where was Erica a couple of years ago when I <laughs> wanted to ask for raise and I didn't know how to or whatnot. Um, <laughs> She was paying off her student loan debt, probably. I don't know. But anyway, it was just one of those things. <laughs> I was where asking I, for my own raises. <laughs> yeah, you were figuring this out. Uh, but it was just one of those things where I was like, this is so freaking brilliant. And uh, a couple of people who I used to work with actually engaged with the post. I'm not going to, they didn't, I don't think they commented on it, but they liked it and stuff like that, where they normally don't. Right. And I was like, all right. So it's resonating. It's, it's some people are getting it. But I, I, <laughs> I thought it was, Awesome. So I'll find it and I'll put it in the show notes because it was really was an eye opening. Like, this is this is great. I wish I had this years ago. Um, but you, you have yeah. now moved on to your on thing, right? You like me. You finally found the courage to say, "Well, I was kind of pushed out of." I'm a COVID layoff, so I was kind of pushed out of corporate America and say, "All right, now I'm going to go to do this full time." But you, you had to find the courage to go do your own thing. And now you've done that with, with Plug and Law. Tell me about the name, Plug and Law. What, tell me about that. What is that? It's just like Plug and Play. Okay. It, the concept is just, I wanted to make law easier for people and just more simple and more streamlined. So like Plug and Law, yep. easy. <laughs> okay, I like it. I, I make, that's, for some reason, I knew that and I forgot it right before I asked you that question. <laughs> I'm glad um, you like it. Too late to change it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I have your approval. <laughs> oh, that sounds horrible. That It was bad. Um, 
the uh, one of the things I will say that you are doing that right. So right now you have this. Um, uh, I'm going to misspeak because I don't know legal terms, copyright infringement stuff that we're talking about that I'm using you for, right? Trademark, you sort of, trademark, trademark. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Not copyright. Cause I know those are two specific terms. One really doesn't help the other or no. Does it? The tra- tra- trademark? trademark is separate. So trademark is like trademarking a logo or phrase like earn, okay. invest, repeat. There you go. There you go. You can tell how, how quickly I just got out of my comfort zone and knowing this stuff, but you are offering, uh, copyright services now and something I'm engaging you with because I've had somewhat, I want just something that sparked my interest. Like, okay. Now I need to get copyrighted. I need to have this done. I believe I owe you uh, a response to your last email. Um, but I will say that the touch that you've, you know, the personal touch and the way, and I don't know if I'm getting like special treatment or whatnot, but you are definitely like some of the things that you've just, Hey, let me show you this. And you're using loom. I'm like, Oh, this is so fr- it, it. You're living up to the <laughs> name, uh, plug, plug in law. It is, it's been a really cool experience. I don't get Thank that you. from the other members of my legal team. Just so you know. <laughs> I try to be one of the cool lawyers. Like my whole thing is I I don't want to be the typical stiff, like not helpful lawyer who speaks in only legalese and doesn't like, doesn't make you understand things. So trying to be cool. uh, I say most of mine. I've got two guys that I really rely on. Um, Neither, neither one just talk in legal speak, but they're very uh, cautious of what they put in the email. They, you know, they, they want to come back and say, Hey, let's get on the phone. Let's talk about it. Yeah. And, and I know they're, you know, once in an email, always in an email kind of thing. And they don't want anything. And I, you know, whatever the case may be, they help me out. I'm not trying to say they're doing a bad job. It's just, I've just noticed that. I hope they don't listen. <laughs> I know, I'm getting nervous. I don't want them to. No, no, I don't want no. Them to hate me. I just realized that how that may sound, and that sounded horrible. I may cut that out because that that was just cut it. They no, they they do an excellent job. They have their own tactics. It works for them. It works for me. It's a lovely relationship. Um, we love them. They're amazing. We do. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how do I come back from that? All right. We only have a few minutes left. Um, so what else on personal finance, paying off student debt? What else do we need to be thinking about when we have those looming things around us, right? So number one is budget. Number two, start paying them off. Uh, number three is setting setting a goal, right? Of very specific and very special date of when to do that. What's next, right? planning the celebration when you're done or what (laughs) I think the other biggest thing is to not inflate your lifestyle so this is something Mm. especially if you're listening and you've just graduated like this is the perfect time to do this because with lifestyle inflation where you're basically increasing your spending gradually over time you know when you are a broke student and then you go to having a job it's natural to want to spend more, like start getting the Uber Eats instead of making your lunch and (laughs) these little things, but they do add up. And I think the best thing you can do is to not allow yourself to think that you're not still a broke student. And Mm. so it's, it's funny because I was at this law firm, you know, (laughs) these law firms are so fancy and 
they're taking their interns on helicopter rides. And it's a very, wow. it's kind of like we're straight out of suits. It's a really fancy place. Love Yet the show, I was, by the way. <laughs> I was walking to and from work like 35 minutes each way because I didn't want to pay $3 for the bus. I was arriving in oh, my wow. Walmart okay. shoes. I guarantee you I was the only <laughs> corporate lawyer wearing Walmart shoes. Like they're great. I love them. <laughs> and But I was doing, I was basically, I never allowed it to get to my head that, wow, I have a job now and I could afford to buy purses or, or eat out at fancy places. I never let that get to my head. I just remained the same cheap, broke Erica student mentality. <laughs> and I think that really helped me because once you inflate, it's very hard to go down it is. versus yep. if you just stay at that status quo, much easier to save. And because of that, that's why I was able to just save probably over 80% of my income. Yeah. And especially when you start having kids, that lifestyle inflation exponentially grows. I would just say that. Um, what, so you were, unless so, so that you led a very sacrificial, self-sacrificing lifestyle to be able to pay off that debt, right? You mentioned a couple of things there. Like I, even I would struggle with paying $3 to ride the bus or walk in 30, 30 minutes. Now <laughs> I am a guy who's guilty of needing to walk uh, more and more. Um, but three bucks just to ride. I mean, I mean, come on. Eric. It's also good exercise. It's mold. It, it was very good exercise. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. probably listened to a book or podcast, probably like the W2 Capitalist podcast on your way. And, and I yeah. was listening to your so. podcast every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not around. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, so what are some of the other things that somebody can expect to sacrifice, realizing that maybe it is only temporary, right? Or is that just one of the traits that you have to have and you carry that throughout your life, right? Um, what are some of the things that somebody can expect to do to, and I'm going to say sacrifice, but really you're just living, uh, what I would consider outside of the norm, right? Where most of your friends, cause I remember right out of college, I was still wanting to go bar hopping, still want to chase girls, do all mm -hmm. this other stuff my friends were doing. And then what I should have been doing is what like my interns do. And they focus on making money and trying to plan trips to Greece that they've already got paid for. Right. And so what are some of the things that I should have been doing then to help me out for that future success? Right. And you kind of summarized it earlier as you, you know, avoid that instant gratification. Right. Yeah. What are some other things that you did to, to help? I know we're kind of getting in the weeds here of the very specifics, but what are buying the Walmart shoes, walking to work instead of taking the bus, <laughs> um, which we it's, we yeah. buy Walmart close to, so it's it's we do that today, right? I I still do it. I love it. <laughs> uh, hashtag not sponsored, by the way. If anybody works yeah. at Walmart and wants to sponsor me or Erica, I'm sure we'll, we'll both be it. open for the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be Jay's well, manager. I'll help. I'll help negotiate. <laughs> I would definitely hire you for that for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, here's the thing about personal finance because I don't want this to come off as like you have to sacrifice and you have to like really lower the quality of your life to pay off your student loans because that's not my mentality at all. My mentality is figure out what matters to you and figure out what doesn't. Be okay mm -hmm. spending on what matters and just mercilessly cut the things that don't matter. So for me, I've never been materialistic. That's why. I don't really gotcha. buy new clothing. I wear the same five white shirts on my YouTube channel. Like <laughs> that's not, it's not something that's ever been something I've been into. Like I think when I was in my early twenties, 
I really wanted to fit in. So I was trying to spend money on, you know, the coach purses just because I wanted to feel like I belonged and fit in. But the older I got, the more I realized like, okay, I don't need to fit in. I don't need to buy things to fit in. And so materialism has never been a priority to me. So Mm. it's easy for me to not do that. Easy for me to not get my nails done. But if those things matter to you, do that, but then figure out what doesn't matter to you and cut those. If your $5 latte matters to you, do that every day, but then cut everything else. If that doesn't matter to you, cut it out and put that money towards the student loan. So it's it's all about balancing. Like I can't tell people what to not spend their money on because maybe that is important to them. But mm. what I can tell you is you can't have it all. You cannot right now when you're paying off your yeah. student loans, you can't have every single thing you want. So figure out like what's really important to you, stick with that and then just cut the other fluff. Yeah. And I love how you mentioned that because I was going to say, well, and I think I even said this pre-recording is that, you know, don't be the person who uproots their family, whether you're married or have some kids and go live with your parents. But if that's something that you're willing to do, then then go do it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's definitely an option uh, for you. It it would not work. Sorry, mom and dad, but our uh, in-laws, that would not work for us. It just would not. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's us. It's us. It's not you. Uh, but yeah, that's so make sure if it's important to you, make sure, figure out a way to do it. But at some point in time, you've got to realize, all right, $5 latte, that is, that's, I mean, that's a bus ride, right? It's a yeah, bus ride yeah, half, definitely. Right? You want to be looking at the larger expenses. I mean, most <clears throat> Americans are spending more than 50% of their income on rent. So take a look at your rent. Gotcha. See if you can Maybe not necessarily move in with your in-laws, but see if you can take in a roommate or figure mm. out, go after those big numbers first. That's going to be more impactful than trying to target your little latte. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's an excellent point. Yeah, take on a roommate. Um, yeah. And the thing I love about that, though, as you continue to do that and you figure out, okay, I've paid off this student loan. So... For you, for example, you had seven hundred dollars a month just in interest. How much was your How much was your total payment? By the way, I think it was about three thousand a month. Once I refinanced. Yeah. All right. So, three thousand bucks a month can buy you a whole hell of a lot of income producing real estate. So once you get that debt paid off, you continue doing what you're doing for a couple of years. You just made a, a a phenomenal shift for what that means for your entire family, right? Whether you have mm-hmm. a family now or you're you're making plans for family later, is that you take that three thousand, you keep living that lifestyle, you keep grinding out for a couple more years. Three thousand dollars a month can buy you a whole hell of a lot of real estate, which in turn is going to just keep paying you these monthly passive income checks. It's it's incredible. So. I want to end it there because I know you've got a hard stop in like five minutes. I want to make sure to give you kind of the last word. Um, Before I do that, I want to ask you a crazy question. Are you ready for this? Yeah. So we're, we're, where'd that go? (laughs) You're making me nervous. (laughs) No. So this is something I started doing last week, right? Is that I started asking just random questions and this one was based on um, Halloween since we're uh, coming up on Halloween. I'm not a big fan of Halloween, but I, I thought it would be kind of cool to ask. Uh, are you a fan of Halloween, by the way? As a kid, I was. 
Okay. Is it, well, I don't know if I can show up to houses now. <laughs> I I'm gonna be upset if you don't go trick or treating this year, especially this year. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> when you when you have kids, you you will if you if you if that is in your future, you will know you it will come back to you. you you'll be like, oh, this is because I hate Halloween. My wife pushes on me. We have a good time anyway. We have all got costumes this year. The question is the random question is if you could come back as a ghost. Who would you haunt and why? I have no answer. <laughs> I honestly don't have an answer. No? I have no... Do you have to have a grudge to haunt someone? No, like I have well, no... It, could be a, it could be a good haunt. Haunts, I don't think haunts a, a bad thing. I think it was just somebody oh. who you want to be around. Now, you may come back and accidentally scare them from time to time, right? But... I don't have, I feel you don't have to have weird a with that question. Anybody. I don't have, I don't have All right, answer. let me find another one. Let me find another one. Uh, do you like uh, scary movies? No. That's probably either. why, like, I don't like thinking okay. about ghosts. I don't like scary movies. I don't like. Have you ever had a, this is an easy one. Have you ever had a near-death experience? Yes. I was climbing Mount Fuji end of last year. and. We were climbing before the official season started, so you aren't technically supposed to climb then because there's. So you are a lawbreaker. Oh my god! (laughs) Shoot. (laughs) Do I need to cut that out? No, it's fine. I hope no one comes after me. It's a year ago. (laughs) It was a year ago. Um, (laughs) Yeah. uh, So basically, we were climbing up the to the top, and the reason it's closed and it's off season is because there's still some snow up there. And so there was a blizzard towards the top. And I basically tried, I was like, we're not doing this. So I turned around, but it was so, the visibility was so bad that I lost track of the path down. So ended up trying, like ended up losing track of how to get back down. And what should have been like a two hour journey back down took five hours. My phone was about to die. Like I really, it was, I felt near death, but my friends tell me I'm dramatic, so it wasn't near death. But I also, this is TMI, but I also <clears throat> lost, no, this, I lost my toenail because the hiking boot and my feet got too cold. And so my toenail. From fell. like, uh, you cut this out. <laughs> no, I'm not. Sorry. <laughs> I feel so embarrassed. This is TMI. Sorry, guys. With that, that was from, uh, is it hypothermia? Is that what happens? Well, I think it's also... Was it frostbite? I don't know if it was frostbite or I was borrowing my friend's hiking boots since I don't have my own. And I think they were just like pressing on my toe too much. First time wearing those shoes and then ended up doing a 10-hour hike in them. So So you are not an avid hiker. This is not something you've been hiding from us from, or I haven't found it on your YouTube channel. You, this was just like on a whim. You're like, I'm going to go climb Mount Fuji and... and yeah, I will never do it again. I okay. <laughs> I did it to say I did it, and that was it. Like I'm not hiking Mount right. Fuji again. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right, that is the end of uh, the weird questions. I won't do it anymore. I know we got like one minute. What is the best way for uh, anybody to follow up with you to learn more about personal finance? What you have going on with plug and law with uh, copyright issues or copyright help? What's the best way for people to find out find you? Yeah, for Plug in Law, you can download a free legal guide that I have that'll walk you through what you need to know if you're an entrepreneur or small business owner. That's pluginlaw.com slash legal dash guide. And then YouTube is just Erica Kohlberg. Awesome. I will make links to both of those in the show notes. Erica, thank you so very much for, for joining me today. 
And uh, I look forward to hopefully doing it again. If you'll come back on, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of scared you a little <laughs> no bit. more asking me um, ghost questions or making me share TMI. <laughs> well, so last night I've got this little uh, Dex thing that I pull up and uh, how you and I were chatting um, before the, the episode and, and you got this mic and uh, I think it was a comment your husband made about you singing karaoke. And the very first question I looked at last night, because I was trying to get my mindset in this is that, you know, what can I ask? And the very first question was, what's your favorite song to sing karaoke? And I was like, I can't ask that because she thinks she's going to think I'm setting her up for something since we were <laughs> chatting about that before. So um, I would have busted out in a song. My husband would have been mortified. Okay. So what's your favorite karaoke song? Love story. Let's hear it. No, no, no. <laughs> not, not <today. laughs> it's, it's for was, you and your husband only. I'll I'll go off camera. You guys can have a special moment. It's fine. No, no he'll run away. I was excited though, because I have never had this mic. So yeah. I did like Google on YouTube. You can you Google karaoke song and then I just pretended I was at karaoke. All right. This is this is your chance. No, it's okay. People would be people would never tune into your podcast again. Oh, I would say it the would drop ruin off all of your hard work right now. No, <laughs> Erica, thank you for being here. It's been a fun, been a pleasure. I've learned a lot for you. I I owe you an email. I owe you a response. So I'll get that to you today for sure. But thank you for being here, and I look forward to doing it again very soon. Thank you for having me. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Erica. And here's what I would recommend as next steps: number one, connect with Erica. She primarily hangs out on YouTube and Instagram. Uh, I've been following her for a while and I've learned a lot from her through her stimulus package updates that she puts on YouTube. And as I said in the interview, I'm actually using her to accomplish some legal copywriting items for the W2 Capitalist brand here, right? So the second step from here is to let us and the W2 Capitalist community know what resonated you resonated with you in this interview, right? Let us know about it in the community. You can find the link to the community at w2capitalist.com slash community. Now let's get out there and earn, invest, repeat. Repeat.